0: Hi, and welcome to CSM Toolbox. This week's episode features Esven Fris Jensen. Esven is a co-founder and chief growth officer at Userflow. Userflow is a no code builder for in-app onboarding and surveys, allowing SaaS businesses to be more product-led. Prior to Userflow, Esven co-founded Cobalt, which today is a 200 plus employee company. He'll be telling us more about it and his journey next. Join me and let's open that toolbox.
1: Even though you try to push for a product-led motion, you should still have people on the support side. I think that's important that you have that authenticity uh, by having real people on your support.
0: Hi, Sven, How are you? Welcome to CSM Toolbox. How's your morning going so far?
1: It's going great. Thanks for having me as well. Uh, It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Espen. So yeah, maybe just uh, kicking things off, what problem is Userflow trying to solve?
1: So Userflow is a software product uh, that basically allows people to to build in-app onboarding. So basically think of it as like product tours or guides, kind of guiding customers uh, to basically use your uh, software product. Uh, so we're primarily selling to providers. And really the two main things that we we see companies are, are using it for is uh, one trial conversion. So if you have like a free trial or premium, you want to uh, quickly highlight the value of your product to, to those uh, users and, and convert them. Uh, and then the second bit is the customer retention. to so make sure that customers are onboarded when they then actually... Purchased your product, uh, so they stay and, and get the most value uh, out of your product uh, in the long run.
0: Thanks for the context on that, from your experience and as well your current role as a co-founder and chief growth officer. What have you learned from customer feedback so far?
1: Uh, I mean, we're we're constantly learning. I think any software company yes. should <laughs> should always be listening to their uh, <laughs> customer side right? and. Um, So we are both listening to what customers say uh, directly and what they say indirectly. For instance, if customers keep asking about one thing on our support channels, it's probably because we need to change something maybe in our product uh, to make it more certain functionality. Uh, Actually, just in the last week, we probably released like five improvements to our product uh, just based on like this kind of indirect and direct customer feedback. So we are always saying coaches to our customers and And are listening to them for for both direct uh, product feedback and indirect uh, product.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think even as well, what I'm saying with companies is either product-led growth or customer-led growth. I think I have heard from guests that I have had here in the podcast that it's not mutually exclusive. If I can get your thoughts on that as well.
1: Product growth is uh, so I'm a big advocate of, of product growth. And what for those who don't know what that is, it's basically like, you know, you, you, your product becomes the main growth vehicle that you use to kind of both drive sales and drive uh, retention and so on. So you focus on on your product uh, as the main uh, driver. Um, but it doesn't that you shouldn't speak to your customers, right? I think that's... Mm-hmm. Um, it would be great that you could build such a great product, right? Everything was just clearly understood by everyone. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you just get it right from the start. But I think that nobody mm-hmm. really does that, right? And uh, you always have to stay in touch with your customers. And I think the way we do it is we, uh, of course, are excellent on our support. So if you, even though you try to push for product-led motion, You should still have people on the support side. I think that's important that you have that authenticity uh, by having real people on your support, supporting Mm -hmm. people, I think in a product of motion where you then, of course, also just have help desk articles and all that stuff, that's great. Mm. But there needs to be a way to reach a person. Right? I think we've all been in that annoying situation. The most common thing that people can relate to is travel agencies, right? Where you want to change your ticket. It's like virtually impossible to find a person to talk to about the issue, and it, and you know, if you spoke to a person, you would solve it right away, right? So, so I think that's the balance you always have to think about. You have to automate and and make it as product as possible, but there should always be a channel into a person so somebody uh, can can solve the problem for you.
0: That's a great example, and I think as well, it takes into. Consideration that that customer experience, that user experience, as well. That I think we will we can have many examples like that, and obviously we are going to say, "Well, don't go to this airline because they're support, or I just never got an answer." So. I, then it just spreads through word of mouth. So
1: exactly. I think you could probably solve it via the product, like make it easier, right? But then they really have to mm. make it good, right? And, and that's not only the case. Then they also have a gap in their self-service capabilities. And um, so if you don't have like a really, really good self-service capabilities, then you need to have some kind of human channel, right? That people can reach out to. Um, I think for most businesses, you just need it, right? It's not enough to just be product led. They can't be 100%.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and thanks for your insights on that. This is something that I have asked as well to other uh, co founders too. So, um, Esben, what skills do you think are essential to not just survive, but to thrive as a co founder and chief growth officer?
1: Yeah, so I can say I'm on the growth side, right? As a co-founder, so so for me the most important thing is of course sales, customer success, you know, marketing, and these kind of things. so you of course need those kind of baseline know-hows, right? Like you need to understand processes behind all those uh, kind of functions. Um, so I think it's a very kind of mixed role where you understand not only sales, but you also understand customer success and marketing and how it all plays together. Um, so that's more on the skill side. Uh, I would say the main, the main thing I add that, that I think is important for a chief growth officer. And in my previous company, I was a chief customer officer is one, a, a deep understanding of your customers, right? Really dive into who are your customers? Who are you selling to? Who's your ideal customer profile? How do they work with your tool? How do they work with other tools? What is their day to day problems? All these different things. Really have a deep understanding of that so you can relate and, and speak to them. Uh, and that plays into the second part, which is for me is uh, authenticity and, and integrity. So basically, uh, if you don't understand your customer, you cannot be authentic, right? If, if you, if you can't speak to them in a way that's authentic, where you truly understand their problems, then uh, people won't trust you, right? They won't trust you best, your business and so on. So. I think that's super important, having that kind of skill set, and that will create better customer relationships and better customers in the long run.
0: That's a great point in terms of authenticity and even maybe going back to the example of the airline, that if way we go to that website, we're trying to investigate, okay, who can actually talk to me as a customer, as a user, and I'm even thinking of the word Transparency, but I think in terms of that authenticity, how are you yeah. as a product, as a company? What is the reflection of, yeah. even I will dare to say, like values as well?
1: Yeah, I think, and uh, actually, I love using the airlines as an example because I think it's very. a lot. <gasps> but we all, all had the, the support person who understood your problem, mm-hmm. understood it deeply, mm-hmm. and cared for your problem and wanted to solve it for you, right? And then you've had the support mm-hmm. uh, person who just followed process, right? And read some kind of document okay. where this is what I'm supposed to do. And that's why it's like this, right? They didn't understand you as a customer and the problem you're facing and how frustrating it is, right? If they were just following process. And that's the worst kind of support you can get, right? Uh, even in the end, if they don't solve your problem, It's still better to have a support person who actually understood your problem and cared about it. So, yeah, I think that's Mm. super important.
0: One of the closest partners for customer success is is product. Obviously, we will have marketing and sales and everything, but I do want to, um, as well from your experience, focus on product. On that partnership, we will have so for customer success leaders out there, what advice would you give us to build or improve that partnership between success and products?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic question. It's it's really a partnership, right? And it goes both ways, I think. Hmm. The great customer success functions are super users of the product, right? They truly understand the hmm. product and therefore they are very valuable input to to the the product team, right? They they understand what the customers are looking for. Again, that deep customer understanding, like why do the customers need this, and and so on, right? They can really convey, and and that's one thing they need to care deeply about is like logging hmm. feedback, logging problems, conveying those that feedback and those problems to the product team so they can think about solving it, right? And maybe even come up with ideas as well. That's sometimes a great way to explain a problem is to give an idea, but they did then also have to respect that the product team might solve it in another way, right? It's not always the, the way that the customer success person would have solved it, but you know, as long as the problem is solved, that's the most important. And then the other way of that partnership is really uh, then when the product team releases new function or functionality, the customer success team needs to uh, support that right they need to drive that product is uh, adopted and so on really going back to that old product led mindset right mm-hmm. that there's a tendency I think um customer success people can solve problems outside of the product if they want to right you can always go outside of the product solve something manually we did a workaround whatever but truly to help the product team, they should really try to push the product and self-service, for instance. I think that's a big one, right? Like customer success, they could have a tendency to not push for self-service, but in the end, they're going to hurt themselves by not doing that, right? Uh, because they're going to get overloaded with uh, like small support requests that are just like annoying tasks, right? Uh, and I know the first time the customers gets becomes happy about doing that, the customer success person took care of it, but in reality, I think if it was up to the customer, they would also be happy doing it themselves if it's easy, right? So I think that's where customer success also has to be. It's not more valuable because you are doing it. It's actually the same value if you push them towards doing it self-service and promote the product as the main driver instead of yourself uh, as person. That's important, too.
0: I can Remember which podcast it was, but I know the chief customer officer was saying that it's not necessarily that the customer wants to speak to us, and I'm talking about customer success manager. Like they, I think it's more for us to enable, to guide. Exactly. It's not. I, I know there will be occasions when there is that handholding requires, depending what it is. If it's an escalation or something, depending on the customer and the situation. But I think it's always appreciated from the customer side that. Hey, like if you give me the right tools, the right enablements, onboarding, FAQs, all of those resources that should be available to the customer, they will appreciate that rather than yeah. let's get on a call or
1: exactly. emails back and forth. The call should really be the last result, right? Try to push the product support <laughs> or even like a person towards the product, right? Like always think product first. And I think that's the mindset that really comes down to, right? both in terms of like new features, like think, how could the product solve this, but also in terms of like existing functionality where the customer will ask, how do I do this? Instead of answering, oh, I can do that for you. You should really say, you do it like this. And here's an article that shows you how to do it. So I think that's super important.
0: That's a very good point, it's been for sure. Something that I like to ask all of my guests as well. What's in your toolbox, Esben, other than Userflow, of course, yeah. what mobile or web app you cannot live without? And it can be work-related and not work-related.
1: Yeah, no So, that yeah, Userflow is definitely a big part of our toolbox. We use it on Userflow, uh, so kind of meta. Uh, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> we use it for in-app onboarding and trial conversion. But then we use a number of other great tools, I think, in, in my toolbox, of course, we have a CRM like HubSpot, but we also have tools like LogRocket and ChatMogul that I want to focus a bit on here. So ChatMogul is a great kind of tool for understanding SaaS metrics. So you can plug it into your payment provider, such as Stripe, for instance, and, and your own product. And then you get SaaS metrics. It's something that CRMs doesn't do that well, but I think ChatMogul does an amazing job at like presenting things like Churn, you know, MR, AR, these kind of all these different things that you need to know uh, about as a SaaS business. Um, so Chat is a really great tool. And then LockRocket is another tool we, we use that is, it's basically like a, a way to understand our trial users better. Uh, so you can see what they're doing inside our product. That's also a great way to understand the challenges our users are facing with our product. Um, we can optimize the product for that trial experience. Those are two tools that uh, we use a lot.
0: And something outside of work?
1: I'm a big uh, hiker and biker, so all tra- okay. Strava is probably the apps I use the mm-hmm. most. Uh, all trails for finding great hikes, highly recommend that. And then uh, Strava for tracking all my, uh, my mm-hmm. bike uh, trips. So, yes, those two apps are <laughs> probably the most used in my in my overall.
0: Cool. <laughs> e folks. Either product or growth or customer success would like to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: So you can you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm a very open networker. So yeah, uh, is, uh free students at, at, at LinkedIn reach connect.
0: Okay. I'll link your profile if that's okay in the show notes.
1: Yeah, perfect. Uh,
0: people will reach out to you. Great chatting to you, Espen and have a great of your day.
1: You too, Isabel. It was a pleasure.